Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways, I do some other stuff, but most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level, stay tuned for that post, and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. I mean, you could, all you need to do is get a cool, scary tattoo on your head and you could maybe tell people that you're Ryan Clark. I might, but I I made a promise to my dad when I started shaving my head that I wouldn't. Pretend to be Ryan Clark? Pretend to be Ryan Clark and not tattoo my head. He was just like, can that, can that just be the one spot you leave alone? And I was like, sure. That sounds like a deal. I, I, you know, not too bad. Fair enough. All right. Well, Tuck, welcome to the show. Thanks for making time for this. Good. Of course. I, uh, just taking a break from my magic, the gathering game in the other room to, uh, come and have some fun with you. So thanks for having me on. Are your orcs winning? How does that work? I'm playing an angel deck currently because I like frilly cutesy things of course um there is some tie into like say dungeons and dragons now as well from some later sets and with the popularity of stranger things and stuff like that but uh yeah it's it's, how do you feel about that i think it's pretty cool i mean it it helps for the uh, growth of the game and like for sales and stuff like that so i think from that aspect of it it's pretty cool where like you know there's some people like me who like when they do a collab card with godzilla and have that kind of theme but some people really want to play as 11 you know so Mm. i totally get you know the you know both sides of the coin or like you know they did a recent one where it was all dracula themed shit and, I see. You know, as a you know former mall goth, I think that's pretty cool. Um, so you put on your trench coat. Yeah, why not? You know, play some Manson on the boombox and slap your binder of uh, of magic cards down in the mall food court. It's you know, I guess as uh, now that I'm older, it's funny. Now that you say it like that, 
Yeah, right. But since we came back to touring, it was the thing. I didn't play Magic in the past. I, I grew up doing like Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and stuff like that. But we couldn't hang out with anybody. I couldn't even have like my wife backstage and shit. So that first run, a bunch of dudes were like, yo, let's just let's play Magic. I was like, I don't know how to do this. So jumped into it. And now I'm thoroughly obsessed. It's very fun. And your wife is leaving you because she's like, I did not sign up to date a magic player. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> she is being very patient and kind in the other room. Because So right now, my other project, I have this like emo side project thing called Off-Road Minivan. And uh, we're working on a record right now. So my bandmates are staying with me while we record. And they're over in the other room. So she's just secluded to uh reading currently and being in headphones and trying to not have to deal with our bullshit bless her heart yeah you have a new album coming out on october 28th correct called the hell we create that is the title and that is the date yes sir that's when it's coming out all right well uh i'm excited to see how this one is received you sent me some of the tracks and sounds great sounds like you know what you want fit for a king to be so i'm excited to see how it's received where would you say that you are at right now that the band is at as far as you know the reddit hype cycle because you were reddit's favorite band in what 2019 2020 it's funny i think back on our previous conversation where we talked about it and i and i think at that time especially for you know being in you know the covid cycle and stuff like that at that time, the path did well, but as the record lingered, more of our fans were like, yeah, that didn't really do it for me. Mm. And the main part from that record was we didn't get heavy enough to appease right. like the older fans and stuff like that. There was a couple songs like God of Fire that are heavy, but not didn't quite get there. So I think this record for the Reddit core kids for our fan base is going to be a little more ear pleasing. Uh-huh. And so far I think we're pretty on the money with that where like the last single comments are all like, "Ah, oh, this is the best song since." I shouldn't say all. There is a a chunk of positive comments that refer to like, "This is my favorite song since when everything means nothing." And that was right. the fucking goal. Like that's what we wanted. So, um we listened. We had to like pour through the comments and if you see one comment of a fan being like not heavy enough, sure. When it's a lot of them, just listen. I agree with that. You know, I, I think it's the 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 standard response, like, oh, just do what you want. You know, uh, don't listen to people. Fuck them. I don't agree with that. I do the same thing nope. with my videos. Like if 20 percent and like normally like 3 percent dislikes on a video would be normal. If I get 20 percent dislikes on a video, I'm not going to make more videos like that because people fucking hate it. Oh, yeah. And the other thing was we wrote that record. To go play on a Parkway Drive tour, not have the pandemic, have everyone be happy, hunky-dory, light shit on fire, smash right. beers, and have a good time. We did not expect the world to fucking end. So when we <laughs> wrote that record, we had totally different goals and aspirations for it. And we were so much more looking forward to, like, we're going out on this huge tour. It's the biggest tour we've ever been invited on. Let's go do that. And let's cater to that crowd because we like that shit. Right. So, um, you know, you, you sometimes you swing and you miss like a little bit. And we still at least had some songs on there that the fans seemed really happy with. So we learned overall. And, you know, like, as you, you know, know with Drew and stuff like that, we're always trying to go outside the box. We're not just like going in there like, hey, let's do the same exact thing we did last right. time and just 
see if it works because that's boring. That's not fun for him or for us. Now, some people would say that, you know, doing what the fans want and listening to their feedback like that, some people would say that that's selling out or pandering. I don't see things that way, but how would you respond to that? I think it's being good at business. <laughs> but I think it's respecting your fans too. Yeah, because I don't want to lose them. And I always want to gain more fans. And I think that there are opportunities and chances you take on records. For instance, last record, song like, the path or a song like locked in my head a little more radio friendly a little more to like let's aim for fm that's taking a chance on something but if i delivered a whole record of songs like that we're going to piss off so many people there they may not come back for this record right. the hell we create so even on that album where we tried to do some anthemic parkway stuff we tried to do some more singy fm stuff we still tried to balance it, but what we learned was we didn't balance it well enough. We got too excited by that shit, and we we ended up going a little bit farther that way. So when they listen to this album, it's not that we're necessarily catering just to them. I'm not happy if the band isn't being like fully well-received and everyone's really happy with us, and not right. only are our fans happy, but we're gaining more fans constantly. So this effort on this record was in a sense to, you know, still continue to grow and be able to expand, but make sure that the stuff that fit for a King is supposed to do is nailed. It is just tight. And like, like I like, end. you still get some soft parts, you get a big chorus, but did we give you a really big, dumb breakdown? Of course. Of course we did. Of course. And you know, that's what we're supposed to do. So, yeah. You know. Well, when I listened to it, um, and I just gave it a quick listen, but when I listened to it, it felt to me in a good way, like kind of an update of that 2004 kind of sound, like a band that would tour with Kill Switch and like, you know, old school Parkway. It felt like that to me. And I feel like people are really ready for that sound to be back. Agreed. Um, I think that you're hearing it implemented even in some of the like, tougher genres like i think that the like knocked loose to boundaries to orthodox and a dozen black roses and all these kinds of like cool more niche bands they they've got dying wish stuff like that there's mm -hmm. lots of kill switch riffs going on and it's where bands like theirs and bands like ours unite where we're all we all love that band and i agree with you I, it definitely was a big influence now having Daniel, you know, who's our uh, like latest guitar player, he was kind of around during the path, but this was his first one, like really writing with us. He also plays guitar in a band called Phineas. That's very oh, okay. kill switch to the max riff mode. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, we tuned him down a little bit on this for us because we don't quite go that crazy. But yeah, we we definitely wanted to. There was like a festival we played and Killswitch played and and we also got this by playing with As Ellie Dying. You when you play a guitar riff that the crowd sings the lead guitar riff, <laughs> then you know, and that's it. the coolest shit. Yeah and, yeah. and that was one thing that we hadn't really experienced and noticed until, you know, the last couple of years. And it's something that we've been kind of striving for and, and hoping to hit, you know, I think that sound has like an an upbeat, like high energy kind of vibe that the gent kind of thing just doesn't yeah i mean and we just can't um i think for what our band caters towards we want that more energetic live show where people are just more circle pit push pit right and going crazy rather than 
watching us for like crazy technical riffs because we're really not a technical band. I mean, I'm throwing my guitar half the fucking time and maybe hitting some notes here and there. And uh, I just think when, you know, early on, we learned from that lesson. We have a record called Slave to Nothing where that one we kind of sent paternal was out and north lane was out and right. all that stuff influenced us and we very quickly learned like no this is not for us either and that's just kind of how it goes you know you that happens and then you write death grip and it goes really good and then you know you're you go to dark skies and that works but then you try the path and that's you know like technically sure it was a successful record but something that we learned from and we needed to do better at so I think this one's a good amalgamation of all things. Well, you guys have done a good job of kind of experimenting with different things, but you've never like really, you know, whiffed, you know, it's like maybe there were some things that you liked or didn't like or whatever, but there was never, you know, the album that you put out and everyone's like, why did you do that? That's how I would like to feel. (laughs) You know, I, I think we've done pretty good at being able to like test the waters, but not be too repetitive and not piss off too many people, you know, but it's it's hard, man. And even as a music listener and a fan, I try not to be too judgmental with that kind of stuff where like, you know, even my favorite bands, you know, I'm going to get like, you know, say it's thrice i get to be everywhere after the comeback and that's the greatest record ever but like yeah it ended on beggars and i was like yeah it's not that great so like you know we all have our albums it's not the worst i still like that album but it's not as great as something that's you know the artist in the ambulance i still try to you know have like sometimes i'll listen to one of those albums or they'll put out an album like that where they do something really crazy i'm like i hate this but then i try to sort of uh, think about it from the other perspective and say, but I appreciate that they had the balls to try it. Even if I don't necessarily like it, I respect it. Oh, yeah. And sometimes your perception just chains bases off of time where like, you know, I think about the first time this, you know, genre wise, totally off base. But, you know, first time I heard the band The War on Drugs, I was like, mm-hmm. this is the worst Bob Dylan ass <laughs> shit I've ever heard in my life. And I like Bob Dylan. But then their newest record, I Don't Live Here Anymore, mm-hmm. one of my favorite records of all time. Like, I've just I, been like so obsessed with it. And I I don't. Yeah, just came out of nowhere. Like I didn't like uh, Amo the first time I heard it. You know, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and I didn't listen to it for like a year. And I listened to it again. I was like, wait a minute. Why did I not like this? This is actually fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. And I think that a lot of um, Bring Me's fans, the more they come back to it, it was almost so tasty and seasoned that you just uh-huh. at the time, like it was shocking and you can't quite get it. And then like you go back to it and you have this new appreciation for those songs. And it just those guys are the epitome of being artists while staying within like this. They understand their fan base so well, yet are always able to expand upon it. And, yeah, you know, that's the problem is there are bands that um want to like take influence like that, but then they have to find the, the way to like be themselves. Really great new example of that fucking new Bad Omens record, in my opinion. I'm just like, I gotta give that band. one another listen because I always said I wanted them to be more pop and they yep. did go more pop and I didn't like it and everyone's telling me I should like it. So I'm going to try again because I, maybe it's one of these things where I just didn't give it the right headspace or I don't know. 
It was one I was, you know, I, I think it's really well done. I think it's a great record. You could, It's one that makes me almost want to like stop and be like, man, am I putting enough time and effort into this? Because I think that they're putting in that much, um, which is part of listening to like a, a band like a Bring Me, where it's not just a fluke and it's not whimsical. Right. I think it's very methodical and... um hopefully more people will be inspired to want to focus on their art in that way some more. And I think that was another thing that just outside of writing the songs that, you know, the crew and I, and particularly Kirby, you know, really wanted to do was just take our time and like, make sure everything is mint before it comes out. Like, you know, stop rushing through things because you really do only have one shot per album and, for every fan that you already have or that you're trying to gain, you might push them away and they might never come back, you know? Yep. So, you know, definitely yep. trying to cherish it some more, I think. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use HyperFollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. 
And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Are you guys one of those bands that's always writing and then you just record it? Or are you like, okay, we got to write an album. Let's do it all in a month or whatever. Most of it's just on a whim with Drew. Sometimes there's some stuff that's pre-written. Like there's a few pieces on the new album that were pre-written um primarily like chorus stuff you know if i come in with an idea say um like the song reaching out something like that um but there the whimsical stuff when we are just writing on a fluke it's crazy like there's the next single for the record it's a song called falling through the sky and i have my favorite memory of making this album where i'm just outside on the porch and you know it's la it's really nice out and you know, just hanging out on my own and like doing a little doink and being being me, doing my thing. And Kirby comes outside and he's just like, dude, I wrote this course. I want to show it to you. I think I I think it's really good. And he just plays the song over his phone, the instrumental, and he starts singing it to me and he shows me the lyrics. And I was just like, that's it, dude. That's the that's the one. That's it. Best thing he's ever written. And it's so cool to have those moments with someone where you've like watched this guy go from just being like a screamer to learning how to sing, to singing a lot, to being like the front man. And the whole thing that we want to do with this album is like really show everyone how much like he is a star and what he is capable of doing. And I think that when people hear this next song, they're going to be like, holy shit. Like I, I did not know he was capable of that. And to know, like, he went in the other room and he wrote it and he came to me and he showed it to me. And like, because when you are working with a Drew sometimes too, people be like, well, what'd you do? What did he do? What did, you know? Yeah, well, t- tell tell people, uh, explain that for everyone. So Drew... We're, uh, we're talking about Drew Folk, yeah. a.k.a. Wizard Blood. And... Great producer. Yeah, the, the dude is a fantastic producer. He has really come up with artists like Motionless and White and still works on their records, but he has Wage also War. done Wage War, but he's also, you know, cut tracks with like uh, Poor Stacy, And then he's also done like Lil Peep. He's done uh, Travis Scott. He's done crazy stuff. It, it, it goes all over the place from the pop to hip hop to metalcore world, but he did truly grow his chops in the metalcore world. And like, for instance, there was a big wave of stuff when the uh, Chelsea Grin uh, hostage record came out and the Amir uh, first record with like Josh Travis and Dark Skies came out and plotting you um, the record that has like disposable fix and everything on it. And all that stuff all drew at the same time. Right. It was just crazy, like wave of motion of, of influence from this one person. So with that and that capability that having someone like that in your camp and and he's the type of person who you know producer can mean a lot of different things it might mean some producers are more just like i'm going to record you in the best way that i possibly can other producers might um help you write the song 
but aren't necessarily going to record it very like Feldman, for example, is more of a writer than, you know, an engineer. Drew is more of a Feldman type of guy. Yeah. He's more of a writer than an engineer. Yeah. And he has a, a partner named Jeff Dunn that helps to like do the mixing aspect awesome with mixer. him. And like, for instance, when it comes to even the guitars on this latest record, Daniel tracked them at Drew's just after like, we'll write with Drew and then we'll be like, okay, all the parts are right. Yeah, cool. Dan, have fun. <laughs> And just, you know, because Dan also is a fantastic engineer and has done a bunch of records. So, like, it's easy to be able to do that. And it's just not if you don't have to just sit there and be like, yeah, that chug is perfectly in tune. Cool. Right. You know, Daniel and Bob are perfectly capable of that at this point. So, like you said, Drew just focuses on the writing aspect. And with that, we really write with him from scratch. There will be times where we come at him with an idea like. I have a chorus idea on acoustic and I play it for him. And then we're like, okay, cool. Let's try this. Let's see how it sounds in this element. But to your point, when you hear a new song come out and it's awesome and you see that Drew worked on it, you're like, well, did the band write that or did Drew write that? Or, yeah. or you know, you don't, you don't know unless you were in the room. And there are people that approach it differently where like, we definitely do a lot of um, like writing with him. There are some people like a Cody Keystad, for instance. I mean, that right guy writes a billion fucking songs. Super good songwriter josh travis writes a billion fucking like josh doesn't just have like well i wrote 15 yeah. songs no josh wrote like a hundred songs and then they pick what is the best or what's the best riffs and the best stuff that they build off of like you know so everyone's got a different approach to it and drew is always capable of molding himself to that person and that team um, you know, I've heard really cool things about the way that the new state champs record came together and how they worked on the vocals with that and the whole camp being in on uh, lyrics and stuff. So um, the guy is super, super malleable. But yeah, like I think this one, just the the blend of him, the blend of the band, the influence of now since we've done two records with him, I think we were able to kind of like take the best of both and like learn from it. And you guys know each other very well at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's not a, a strange relationship. And that, you know, that's what's such a joy about getting to do it with him is, you know, we like to hang out with him. We like to hang out with his partner and the people that are around him and his camp and stuff like that. So it helps to make the the record feel even that much more special. But yeah, dude's crazy talented. He's a There's beast. A man. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about touring. So you got this tour coming up with uh, Pierce the Veil. Um do you guys, I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong. I feel like you guys don't hit the European circuit as much as maybe some other people do. Well, yeah. And one, I will say just to preference, it is technically the I Prevail tour. It's I Prevail, Pierce the Veil, us, and then, and there's no like rotating to the headlining. Noted. But uh, super bust to be there. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, we haven't been to Europe in a while. So essentially, I'll just, you know, I've kind of noted this on my own podcast. So I'll just say it. So we were, there's like a never say die lineup that's out right now. And uh, we were supposed to be on that, but we got this. And even like our Euro agents, like you go do that. Yeah. You, like there's just been a couple times where, you know, we had a full world tour planned pre COVID. So that crammed that. And then when you're coming back, it would have been nice to go to Europe, but I was very fixated on money. Uh, and when you go to Europe, you don't make very much of it. So we played the U.S. a lot and it was, you know, maybe a bit much, but we did it a lot and it was helpful. 
And uh, but now we do have quite a bit of uh, plans for us to come back to Europe and actually sooner than expected, we'll be having a, an announcement for a European tour within the next couple of weeks. And one that I'm very, very excited about the lineup is sick. Um, we're not headlining. We'll be supporting and uh, it should be solid for us. It's interesting to hear you say that because there are, are also a lot of bands who make all their money in Europe. Oh, yeah. Like there's the Lionhearts, the stick to your guns, yeah. the like the bands that really, really crush over there. And the problem for us is because we've missed it a couple of times. We've only been there three times. It's harder for us where now, luckily, we're at a place where the offers are starting to catch up and it's um, making things more worthwhile. But that's the other thing. You go over there and you you eat it once or twice. Oh, right. it's fucking hard. I've had some of the hardest times of my touring in general on those runs. And I don't know if it's just, you know, timing and, you know, who you're around and stuff like that. And, the you know, it's. It's a little bit more difficult. Plus, you're around more people. If you want those big festival paydays, you got to pay your dues. Oh, absolutely. And we, you know, we got to play a couple Empiricons, you know, pre-COVID. Yeah. And man, those things are absolutely insane. And speaking of which, you know, you watch like a stick to your guns play, you know, headlining to those people at an Empiricon festival. You're like, holy shit, this yeah. band is fucking massive. It is super, super cool. But yeah, we're we're trying to make a concerned effort to go back more now. Uh, I feel like we've been able to recover enough where like just the amount of debt that bands had going into COVID and then finally getting through that and then coming back. Definitely ourselves, you know, we were a little fixated on that aspect first, which isn't necessarily the best, but... But you have to be. It's not because you're greedy. It's because you guys weren't able to tour for a year and a half. Yeah, I got to live. You know, yeah. I got to be comfy. You have to. We've been very, very blessed with our agent being really nice and allowing us to be malleable where the Never Say Die tour, great lineup. We were very, very, very excited and wanted to do it. This is just one of those... Uh, opportunities that you don't pass up. Like you're going to play in front of roughly like 120,000 people over the course of 42 shows. Damn, that's crazy. That's like, a long that's, tour too. Yeah, it's broken into two halves based around the when we were young festival. So you get wow. like a week off in the middle of it. And the reality is Pierce Vale hasn't played in five years. Right. We're playing right before that band. All the people that are going to see them pretty much don't know who the fuck we are. They don't no. care. They're just trying to get as close to Vic Fuentes as possible. We're there on happenstance. They will stab you to get to Vic if they have to. Fuck yeah. Best <laughs> opportunity for our band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like releasing a record that I think will translate with some of these people definitely translates with I Prevails fans. Yeah. But it's just one of those. You got to got to do it. And uh, I'm going to sing uh, King for a day every day uh-huh it's gonna be great and uh hopefully Callan shows up for his part sometime perfect timing with them blowing up on tiktok too yeah seriously that band just they continue to amaze me like because even you know when they were playing we did i think it was warp tour 2017 or you know one of those maybe it was 15 that they were on it but yeah they've just always been able to remain so dominant but like when I was young, I, I worked at Merch Now and I remember hearing stories about even when they were before today and just their reputation, I think, exceeds them a bit. They're just everyone says that not only are they so talented, but they're just the nicest, hardest working guys. So it's it's cool to see that band be able to make such a strong comeback and have such a big tour to get to do it on. So I think it's going to be 
it's going to be sick. Cool. Well, I will let you go. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, hopefully I'll catch you guys uh, if you roll through Seattle or Portland. Yeah, man, I'll hit you up. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you having me on the show. Too. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye, bud. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.